Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Tonight, we're starting a new series. First series of the school year, right? We want to get started, kind of off on the right foot. And we're doing a series that's not very creative. I came up with it. It's called Refuel. We come to Refuel, and the series is called Refuel because we're coming back to why did we pick that name, Refuel. Uh, For three or four years, when I was the youth pastor here, I started in 2011, um, our name was the Student Ministry of Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. That's just a little long, you know, and you know, I I love our church, um, but our name is a little long, Um, so we're like, we need a name that is a little bit longer than the Student Ministry of Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. So we let the, uh, the teens at the time vote on it and come up with ideas and pick refuel. And, uh, well, why do we call, why do we call our student ministry we, refuel? Um, and why is it important that as we're going into the school year, I mean, some of you have had good days, bad days today or this week in the school year. Why is it important that we come on Wednesdays and refuel? So we're going to be talking over the next couple weeks um, through our purposes. And, of course, we're going to be going through God's Word when we talk about those. But as you leave, um, maybe you've noticed on the way out, there's these signs back there that say upward, inward, outward, and forward. Mark is kind of like our van of white back there. Like, he's, like, kind of displaying them. Um, and, you know, everybody just turn around and look at the signs. So, so th- these are our purposes. There's, there's the four directions we all want to be going. The first is upward, that we need to connect with God. Inward is that we need to connect with the family of God, connect with the family of Jesus. Outward means we need to connect with the mission of Jesus. We need to be bringing people in, bringing people to Jesus and seeing people saved, and we need to keep going forward. We never should stop growing in Jesus. So we're going to be talking about those four directions, and tonight we're starting, a, starting by talking about our relationship um, with God. So the first thing I want to show you is a picture. That's not a picture of me, but it's a picture of a situation that I've been in. Anybody uh, willing to admit that you flipped a four-wheeler? Anybody ever wrecked a four-wheeler? Okay, it's a lot of leaders and a couple teens. So <laughs> they're the people that drive our vans. Just think about that, okay? Um, so I was, uh, I was uh, uh, in high school and a lot, of, uh, a lot of my friends, we were outdoor kind of guys and we'd always go to my friend Brad's house and ride four-wheelers. Have any of y'all gone up an incline on a four-wheeler, like a very steep incline? What are you supposed to do when you're going up a steep incline? You're supposed to not, not let off the gas and there's something else you're supposed to do. Stand up and lean forward, right? Well, nobody told me that, so I was sitting, and I, had, I was going up there, and all of a sudden, as I was going up the hill, the four-wheeler ran out of gas, right almost at the top of the hill. And so it just stopped. And if you're on a hill on a four-wheeler, it doesn't just stop. It goes backwards. So I'm going backwards, and I was trying to look behind and, like, drive backwards as I'm going at ridiculous speed. And, you know, I, I hit a root or something or hit a, hit a ditch, and the four-wheeler flipped back on me. And I got stuck underneath the four-wheeler. And my friends thought it would be funny to not unstuck me for a little while. Like, you know, you know how guys are. Like, like they kind of let me beg and plead. And, you know, thankfully I didn't break anything. The four-wheeler, you know, flipped it back over and kept riding it. But um, when you run out of gas on a hill in a four-wheeler, it's a problem. I've been following some people, like, on TikTok that are doing, like, like electric vehicles. And, like, how long they can go between charges. And these people went on this, like, cross-country trip. And they, like, traded their, their electric vehicle in at the end of the cross-country trip. Because they could drive, like, 200 miles and they had to stop and charge it for eight hours. And then you could drive 200 more miles. So some of you, how many, who are our drivers in here? You're a licensed driver. How many of you drive even though you don't have a license? There's always a few like that. Okay. Um, so uh, there are two kinds of drivers. There's drivers that when they get to like a quarter of a tank, 
they freak out. How many of y'all have a parent like that? Quarter of a tank, you know, your, your mom thinks you're going to get stuck on the side of the road, like, and you're going to be one of those people they make a podcast about, right? Um, and then, um, then there are other people who they see it as like a competition. How low can I go without running out of gas? How many of y'all are like that or have a parent like that? That's me. I like watching the thing. What I've, did, what I've found out is if you let the miles get down to zero, you've actually got a, like 30 extra miles. They just don't tell you about it. It's like a deep, dark secret. But running out of gas is a problem. Having enough fuel in your four-wheeler, having enough fuel in your vehicle, having enough charge in your electric vehicle is obviously important. But tonight we're going to be talking about spiritual fuel. You know that just like you need food for your body to operate and just like you need gas for a car to operate, your spiritual life needs fuel in order to keep moving forward. And I would submit to you that during the school year, there are a lot of barriers to you refueling, not to you, that's the name of the the series, right? You refueling um, with God. So tonight we're going to be talking about what it means to connect with God. And we kind of have a saying that we have here, it's that you can come as you are. Right, that you know, you're welcome here. If, if you're if you're searching, you, you're trying to figure out the truth about God. If you are a Christian who's kind of far from God, or if you're kind of you're, you're trying to be committed to Jesus and you're trying to live for Jesus and you just need help, everybody is welcome here. And there's a saying that I really hear. It's it seems to be kind of like a Gen Z thing, and this is the saying. I think they're even making a show about it, but I know nothing about the show, so I'm not advertising it. Um, but it's this saying. How many have heard this saying before? It's okay to not be okay. And that's kind of an encouraging thing for us to think about, right? Um, Because most of us (laughs) are not okay. Uh, Most of us in our lives, we feel not okay. Um, So it's it's good for us to think that it's okay not to feel okay. But uh, the problem is a lot of people stop there. A lot of people stop and they say, it's okay not to be okay because Netflix told me. It's okay not to be okay because some philosopher on TikTok told me that it's okay to not be okay. But can I add a little bit to that quote tonight? It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. For those of you that tonight you're not okay, or you know that in a few weeks of school you're not going to be okay, can I try to build the case for you that it's possible to not stay that way? It's possible to have joy in your life even though you go to a school that you utterly despise. Even though you know you can already see the drama, I don't know if I should have you raise your hand. How many of y'all can already see the, the, the drama is starting to swirl like a toilet bowl already in your school, right? You can see the swirly coming up right now already, right? <laughs> you know at some point you're not going to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. I'm glad you're here, but you don't have to stay that way. It's not okay to stay that way. So tonight we're going to be going into first the book of First John, and I want to I want to talk to you tonight from First John about connecting with God. I want you to refuel, and this is I've, I've got all these gas cans. I think they're still like just a little bit in here. I want you to refuel by connecting with God, and we're going to talk about what what that means. So if you're in, uh, you have your Bible, open up to 1 John chapter 1. We call this Bibles and, I keep saying Bibles and brews. It's not Bibles, Bibles and burgers. We've been calling it Bibles and burgers because if you come to refuel, you don't have to bring your Bible, but I would love for you to bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible tonight, if you came and like, you just don't have a Bible in your house, um, please see one of the leaders. We have a Bible that we can give you uh, tonight. So in 1 John 
chapter one. Um, anybody know who, who wrote First John? You want to like take a wild guess at who wrote First John? Very good. John wrote First John. Anybody know who John was? John was an eyewitness to Jesus. We call that an apostle. John was someone who lived three years with Jesus, so he got to hear Jesus' teaching. He got to watch Jesus as he performed the miracles. He saw Jesus die and come back to life uh, by his own power. And John was a pastor of, a lot of people believe, about 10 churches in what now is modern-day Turkey. You know, Turkey's not just a food, it's a country, right? Um, in modern-day Turkey. And, and as John was preaching... Um, he was writing in this book, in 1 John, he was writing to Christians. Uh, John wanted to see people saved. He, he had a lot to say to unsaved people. In the book of John, not 1 John, but John, I know it's confusing. He had a lot to say. He said, he said I wrote this so that people may believe that Jesus is Christ, and by believing you can have life on his name. 1 John was written to Christians. So if you're a Christian tonight, 1 John was written to you. But if you're not a Christian, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, there's something in here for you too. So we're going to read 1 John. We're going to kind of go through the whole chapter. It's only 10 verses. So it's really short. We can get it. So let's do it. Let's read it together. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, and looked on, and we've looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That which we've seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. So let me pray for you real quick, and then we're going to dive into this, this section of the Bible. Now, God, thank you for this, this, this passage from your word. Thank you that through it we can learn how to not just know that we're saved, not just know that we have an eternal home with you, but we can know what it means to live with you and have a relationship with you, to have joy despite our circumstances. So I pray that as we look at this, um, God, that you'll speak to our hearts and that you'll show us how we can have that joy, the joy of Jesus in our lives during this school year. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about refueling by connecting with God. And I want to talk about three ways that we, three things that have to do with our connection um, with God. And the first thing that we, we see is we see a reason. There's a reason to connect with God. How many of y'all, I know it's a kid movie, um, but you were probably kids when it came out. You remember the movie Inside Out? Anybody remember the movie Inside Out? It was like, it's such an underrated movie. It really is. You need to go home and watch it tonight. Um, it's such an underrated movie. But there's this character um, named Joy right? And she's always happy. She's always positive. And we love to hate her because nobody should be that happy. Nobody should be that positive, right? But there's a reason for connecting with God. And we can see it in the first section of the verses that we've read. And I want to show you. Let me see if I can get my little toothpaste tube here to work. There's a word that I want to kind of point you to. And it, you see it a lot throughout the whole 
passage, and it's this word here called fellowship. See how it's all like, like it seems to be a pretty major, I'm very neat in my, my marking up, as you can tell. So yeah, it seems to be a very major theme in this passage, right? Fellowship with God. Does anybody know what fellowship, when I think of fellowship, you know what I think of? I think of an old church. I think of tile floors. I think of like green bean casserole that old ladies bring and people saying, after church, we're going to have a fellowship. You know, I, I think of that as a very churchy, a very churchy term. But this word uh, for fellowship, uh, the, the Bible is, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek first, and it's this word. Anybody think they can, anybody think they can pronounce that word? You can't even read it because I have terrible handwriting. It's the word koinonia. Say, say koinonia. koinonia. Look at the person next to you and practice it. Say koinonia. Okay? So, so you've probably learned more today all than you've learned in school, right? You learned a new word, right? Koinonia. And here's what that, here's what that word can mean. Um, it, it's, it's, it, it means to have things in common. It means to have communion with someone. Um, it can also mean like... Um, uh, uh, working together or participating together. And it can mean intimacy. It can mean closeness. So this word that we find one, two, three, four times all the way through, we see that that's kind of an important thing that we're trying to get across. And what's the point here? He's saying that you too may have felt, we're writing these things so you may have fellowship with us because our fellowship is with the Father. The point of, the, the reason this was written was so that you could know how to connect with God and have fellowship, have commonness, have closeness, and have intimacy with God. And what does it lead to? Let me find a new marker here. What does it lead to? It leads to, not new color here, it leads to joy. If you're close to God, you'll experience joy. How can we experience joy by being close to God? Well, the first is that you can actually know who God is. You know, it, it's wild that a lot of people, they really don't know how to connect with God and they really don't know who God is. They think they can connect spiritually by having like, by having like um, uh, experiences at different places, by like standing in areas where like, like, like there's these like, like vortexes of vibes that are gonna make them feel good and make them feel positive. Right, we think that if we if we like like gather some kind of crystals, or if we share like positive energy by uh, sharing like like different like posts with people and, and and hyping up people on Instagram, that that somehow our life will just get better and we'll be more spiritual. But look at what knowing God offers. This is John. Remember, he's an eyewitness to Jesus, and look, he says that which was from the beginning. So he's talking about God, right? He's talking about God. Only God was there at the beginning. That was from the beginning, but he says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we've looked upon and touched with our hands, we have seen it, we testify it and proclaim to you, it was made manifest. These things all point to one incredible truth. Let me do all my arrows here. That God is also, was a human. We see Jesus here. He was fully God and fully human. He was God in a bod. And the, what John is saying is we saw him and we know that there's one way to connect to God because we've seen him. And if you know that Jesus is God, if you know who God is, you have joy because you're not searching. 
No matter what people tell you, no matter what people believe, you have, you have the knowledge, the truth about God. But it's not just that that gives you joy. It's having fellowship with God. It's walking with him. It's having a relationship with him. You know what's wild, and some of you have experienced it, when you pray and you hold on to something in prayer, there's a situation in your life where God, you desperately need God to work, and you pray it through. Sometimes it's weeks. Sometimes months. I've talked to some leaders before that sometimes it's years and you pray it through and you get to experience the joy of God answering your prayers and coming through to you. You get to experience the joy of, of, of sitting in the morning or the evening and reading God's word and what you read in the Bible speaks exactly to the situation that you're going through in life. So we have joy in walking with God, but it all, you, you can also see it says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Here's the incredible thing. When you're walking with God and there are other people that you know that are walking with God, you experience this awesome unity with people that we're all looking for. You know, we talked about the swirly, right? You know, we can already see drama kind of swirling like a turd in a toilet bowl. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Yeah, we can all see the drama swirling. But you know what's so interesting? For some of you that like served like backpack VBS with us before, you served on like a mission trip before, you know what happens when everybody is praying together and everybody's in God's word together and everybody's serving God together. There's like this incredible unity that happens because everybody's walking with God together. And when we walk with God and others walk with God and we're with others who are walking with God, we experience this joy that's just incredible. So there's a reason to connect with God. Some of us already need joy in our lives and it's only the first day or it's only the first week of the school year. We need the joy of God in our lives and that's the reason we connect with God. That's the reason we come on Wednesdays to refuel, to get in God's word. That's the reason that you should be spending time in God's word, that you should be praying, that, that you should be with other people who, who, who worship God is because we need the joy of God in our lives because it's already starting to swirl. So there's a reason to connect with God. There's also, a, though, a roadblock to connecting with God. When, when I sometimes have people like write down their prayer requests and turn them in for me, to, me and other leaders to pray over, one of the, the, the most common requests is that I feel distant from God. Help me, Matt, you know, to pray. You know, pr please pray for me, Matt, because I am having trouble in my relationship with God. I want to be closer to God. I don't want you to raise your hand to answer this, but how many of you, that's you tonight? You, you, you love God. You want to be closer to God, but you know that your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. The next passage in 1 John talks about the roadblock in our relationship with God, let me find a new, we'll use red for sin. That's probably a good one, right? Uh, and obviously we see that it's sin. It says, this is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you. So this is what Jesus said, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He's light and there's no darkness at all. That's good, right? God is holy, God is perfect, God is just. Everything God's done has been perfect, wouldn't you love to have that ability for just like a couple hours? God has never done anyone wrong in his whole self-existence. God has never sinned. God creates things with the motion of his fingertips or with the word of his mouth. So that's God. <laughs> but now let's look at us. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie 
and do not practice truth. You know, the, the, the truth that we learn in God's word is that all of us have had our lives tainted with sin, messed up by sin. Let's see if this works here. It's just very satisfying to do that, you know. All of us have had our lives tainted with sin. And what the Bible says, what the Bible tells us is it's not just like one area of our life, but our entire life is consumed by sin. We inherited sin from our parents as we were born. We've all committed sin. We've, we, we've done wrong to our parents. We've done wrong to our friends. We've done wrong in the sight of God. It says later that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And in God, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And then there's us who have nothing but sin in our lives. We can do nothing but sin. And we try to connect with God. You know what happens? It's like oil and water. In God, there is no darkness at all. And we can try all we want to connect with God, but there is one major roadblock, there is one major barrier with us connecting to God and having a vibrant relationship with God, and it's sin. And it's sin. One of the biggest reasons why many of us aren't where we need to be with God is because there's unconfessed sin in our lives. Remember, John's writing to people who believe in Jesus. He's not talking to people who need to turn to God, put their faith in God, and trust Jesus for salvation. He's talking to Christians. And you know what's a shame is that there are many Christians, there are many Christians who think they can live however they want to live and still have a great relationship with God. Sin is the roadblock. Sometimes it's the sin of others that make life unbearable for us. Sometimes it's the things that we've done. So there's a roadblock to connecting God. There's a reason to connect to God. I mean, the greatest life you'll ever have, the, big, the greatest joy in my life, yeah, I have an incredible wife. I have the most beautiful, sweet daughter in the world. I, have, I think I have the best job in the world. I mean, I, mean, I, yeah, like, I, I just think it's the best job ever. Like, I mean, I get to hang out with you guys. Um, but the greatest joy in my life has been my relationship with Jesus. And I found joy in my relationship with Jesus during difficult times and during good times. But this is the roadblock for me and this is the roadblock for you. So there's a reason to connect with God. There's a roadblock that stops us from connecting with God. But we also see here the recipe for connecting with God. Some of you really like to cook. And I'm not a real good cook, but I can follow directions. And I made muffins on Saturday morning. And I made a vital, vital, vital error. I forgot to grease the little muffin thing. So, you know, I just had to dig them out with clumps. It was such a simple step that I missed. But instead of having muffins, we had clumps. It's just not as, it's just not as nice on a Saturday morning. Um, so you, obviously, you, you have to get the recipe right. So what is the recipe for connecting with God, to have this incredible, vibrant, joyous relationship with God? Well, God gives us two options. We've all sinned. Even Christians continue to live in sin. Sin is something we're going to have to battle with and deal with until Jesus comes back and we're given our new bodies and we're sanctified and we're, we're made glorious with Jesus. We have two options. And I want to show you the options. The first is, <laughs> if we say we have no, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So this is the first option. We can pretend like we don't have sin. You know, some of you can 
not put deodorant on or pretend like you don't stink, but the rest of us know exactly what's going on in your life, right? And it's the same with, I was going to say, if you're sitting next to someone that needs deodorant, just kind of give them an elbow. I'm joking. Um, but, But how is it that Christians do the same thing, right? We can be so self-deceived. I, sometimes I ask myself, and I'm, I'm trying not to be judgmental, but sometimes yeah, I see Christians that are, and I, I'm, I'm doing it too sometimes. I'm living in sin too, and I need to get my life made right with God too. I see Christians who are living in outright sin, and you, they act like it's not even happening. You, you may know Christians, I've known Christians who get drunk off their rear ends during the weekend and then they come back to church and pretend like they have nothing wrong in their lives. If we say we have no sin, look what it says. It doesn't say we deceive our friends. It definitely doesn't say we deceive God. Who are we deceiving if we live one way and pretend like we're not? It says we deceive ourselves. If you go down to verse 10, it says, if we say we have not sinned, remember, that's option number one with sin. We can pretend like it doesn't exist. We not only deceive ourselves, it doesn't only hurt us. It says, we make him, that's God, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Our sin is not just against ourselves. It doesn't just deceive ourselves into continuing down wrong patterns of of life. It also, we sin against God. When you're saved, God adopts you as his son and as his daughter. He becomes your father. Some of you, you've got a dad in your life, you've got a mom in your life, you have both in your life, or some of you, you have a grandmother or a grandfather who's, who's raising you, who loves you, who's taking you on as his own. What, what would happen if you talked back, not that you would ever do this, <laughs> what would happen if you like talked back to your parents in a really aggressive way? What do you think would happen? I saw I saw one of these. <laughs> what do you think would happen? You know, you're grounded, go to your room, all kinds of options, right? You think your parents would say, move out, you're no longer my son. No, because they're your mom. They're, it's, your, it's your mom. It's your dad. Sinning against your parents doesn't change your relationship to your parents, does it? But it does change your relationship with your parents, And when we sin against God, it never changes our relationship to him if we're saved, but it definitely affects our relationship with him. That's option number one. We can say we have no sin, but there's option number two. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God gives us an invitation. God gives us a way to go back to the beginning and have that joy of God that can go through a school year, that can you know, rise above the drama, that can rise above homework and tests and A-B classes and, and hard practices and difficult games and breakups and all the other stuff that can happen. He can, we can go back to that place of joy when we tell God that we're sorry for our sins and when we admit that what we've done is wrong. You may want to write, if you're a highlighter yeah, on your Bible, you may want to write just Psalm, oh, I'm doing terrible at writing, Psalm 51. That's like PS.51, if you take case you're trying to read my hieroglyphics. Um, Psalm 51, you read David's prayer of confession, the way he prays and pours his heart out to God. And you know what this word confession means? It's another Greek word. We talk about this in prayer lab, all you prayer lovers. It's this word. Homologeo, it's the prefix, don't laugh. Homo, which means the same. I said don't laugh. Homo, it means the same. 
and logeo, which means to speak. The word literally means, confession literally means saying the same thing about your sin that God does. Most of us, when we try to confess our sins, we're like, yeah, God, sorry I blew up at my parents. Like, my dad's a big jerk, like, and I just kind of lost it, so sorry about that. You're not seeing your sin the same way God is, right? That's not homo legeo, that's the way you want to do it. Confessing our sin means saying, God, what I did was wrong. You placed, this, you placed my dad over me. I went against your, your word. I went against your law, and I'm sorry, and I'll work on not doing it again. So the way to get back to God is confession. And sometimes we think, man, have I messed up too much that God won't forgive me? Have I done something so bad? You think about people that maybe that, that, that cheat on people they love. Or you think, about, you, you think about people that have done something so wrong that could get them expelled from school or kicked out of school. My school, it wasn't real hard to get kicked out of. I'm surprised I survived. Uh, right, Brady? Um, but like, like you, you've done something so bad. Could God ever not forgive me? Look at the beginning of, ver, of chapter two. He says, I'm writing these things. Right, that's all this. <laughs> I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. <laughs> How hard is it not to sin? It's pretty stinking hard. But he says, but if anyone does sin, we, that's me, that's you, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the, this is a word we don't use very often, propitiation. (laughs) He's the sacrifice for our sins and not just our sins, but the entire world. You know what happens when you mess up? and you ask, you confess your sins to God, and you ask for your joy and your relationship with God to be restored, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father saying, yeah, that time she talked back to her parents, I died for that sin. Yeah, that time he looked at something he shouldn't have looked at on his phone, I died for that sin. Yeah, that time that yeah, the conversation in the locker room wasn't the, what it should have been and, and, and absolutely wrong words were used, I died for that sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. And he says he didn't just die for our sins, talking about the Christians, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus' death on the cross, pastor nailed it on Sunday. His death on the cross, Jesus' death on the cross was, I just had a brain fart. Yeah, I have a brain fart. Jesus' death on the cross was available to the entire world, but it's effective, meaning it works for, it is applied to those who believe in him. So I got a couple questions for you. We connect with God. Um, there's a reason, there's a roadblock, and here's the recipe. You can write this down, you can take a picture of it, or you can just think, well, that's great, Matt. I'll forget it in two seconds. But this is a thought I had. Maybe it's a thought that you can have looking back on this. We can't prepare ourselves for everything that can happen this school year. There are things that are gonna happen this school year that are gonna blow your mind. There are going to be some incredible things you experience and some very difficult things you experience. We can't prepare ourselves for everything that can happen, but we can connect ourselves to the one who can. So I want to ask you tonight, how's your relationship with God? Are you experiencing the joy of life with Jesus? Or are you letting sin in your life, unconfessed sin, rob you of the greatest joy in your life? God gives us a recipe for connecting with him. For those who are already connected to Jesus, you're already saved, it's by confessing your sin and turning back to Jesus. For those of you that you've never put your faith in Jesus, you don't know if you're saved, it's by asking for new life from the one who already died for your sins. 
So how do, we, how, how do we get out of here? How do we apply this? First day of school, first week of school, connecting with God. The first is confess sin tonight. You know what I do sometimes when I'm convicted of sin in my life and I know I need to make it right? I say, I'll do that when I get home tonight. I'll do it in the morning when I wake up. I'll get up 30 minutes early. <laughs> Bull, right? Ain't gonna happen. Nobody gets up 30 minutes early. Do it tonight. Like, do it before you leave. I'm gonna give you like a, just a, a quick moment here in a minute to do that. Confess your sin tonight. Why not walk through those doors with a restored relationship with Jesus? Like, give me one good reason, right? Why not? Confess your sin tonight. The next is commit to a new routine with God. School is all about a new routine, right? You learn where your classes are. You start learning the people that you pass in the hallways as you're going to each class. You start realizing who the people are around you in the class. You start realizing what day they're gonna serve pepperoni rolls and you mark that on your calendar. Like there are some things that you get into for the routine, right, at school and in life. Now's the time to set up a routine of spending time in God's word. Now's the time to spend time talking to God, praying to God. Put your pods in, put some instrumental music on when you're driving to school, or not, maybe not when you're driving to school, when you're riding to school, and spend time talking to God. Make gathering with God's people a priority. The next two or three weeks are how you're gonna set your routines, and it's probably gonna set a pattern for the rest of the school year. Make sure the pattern includes and is centered around connecting with God. Work that routine. The final thing is come to Jesus for new life. Some of y'all have been sticking around here for a long time. We've had some conversations about who Jesus is, about what he did, how he died on a cross. He paid the sin penalty for your sin and you've been holding off. You've been holding off and you've been holding off coming to Jesus for new life. What is stopping you? You're missing out on the greatest joy that you'll ever experience in life. What is stopping you? So we're gonna pray tonight and I wanna give you some time to, just some quiet time. I, I asked Jeff if he would just kind of give us just a little music because sometimes the air conditioning running and all the shuffling sometimes makes it difficult. I'm not gonna have you come forward or do anything. I'm not gonna have you like uh, you do any kind of weird stuff. I just want you to right where you are. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. And there are three things that you can do in this moment. We don't get many of these quiet moments. There are three things you can do in this moment. The first is if you have sin in your life that you need to confess, confess it to God right now. Um, the second is if, if you've really already kind of set up a poor routine. It's been a long time since you connected to God by reading his word and talking to him. You've kind of neglected meeting with the people of God. Um, tonight, commit to God. Give him your word as you're praying. Give him your commitment that you will have a renewed, re renewed sense of duty, a renewed sense of, uh, of urgency to connect with him every day. And then finally, I know there are people here tonight, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting to put your faith in Jesus. It's the beginning of the school year. You can spend an entire year with Jesus, the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Maybe tonight you'll turn to him and I can't put words in your mouth, but if you were to pray a prayer, it would sound something like this in your heart. Um, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I know there's no way to connect with you on my own. But I trust that when Jesus died, uh, that he took my sins with him and that he paid the penalty for my sins. And I want to live for you and I trust that you will forgive my sins and be the Lord of my life. You can pray something like that tonight. And before we kind of raise our heads up with your heads down, I just want to ask if there's anybody here, I'm not going to call on you, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to uh, say your name, I'm 
just going to say thank you and you can put it down. But if there's anybody here, there, you're already at a point in your life right now where you just need someone to remember you in prayer. You don't even have to tell me what it is. Don't say anything. Just put your hand up right now. If you, if you want me to remember you in prayer as the school year goes on, thank you. Thank you. I'll be remembering you guys. The final thing is if tonight you put your faith in Jesus, uh, you accept that you, 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 you got that new life that Jesus offers. Um, I have a Bible that I'd like to give you just to put in your hands to get you started on your walk with Jesus. As we leave here in a minute, uh, we have one more thing we're gonna do real quick, but as we leave here in a minute, um, please tell me, hey, Matt, I said yes to Jesus tonight. I, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I wanna put that Bible in your hand. I wanna give that to you tonight. Um, so let me pray. And I got something I want to share with you. Um, God, thank you that you give us new life through Jesus. Uh, thank you that that new life is the greatest joy that we can ever experience. And God, thank you that even though so often we put roadblocks in our relationship with you, you have given us a way. You've given us a recipe. You've given us a, a, a path to come back to you. And God, I pray that even though this school year is going to involve some difficult times and it's going to involve some fun times, God, most importantly, I pray that each student that's here and each leader that's here will know your joy in the, on the mountaintops and in the valleys this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.